Well, this, uh, this actually fits well with um, some things I've been thinking on and, and learning this week as I prepared to be here with you and to just dig in more into Philippians, um, which is what we're teaching through this summer is the book of Philippians. We're at chapter 4. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there now as we get prepared for that. But I once had a friend for about 14, almost 15 years, and she was a yellow lab named Annie. And some of you here had a chance to meet Annie. We got her when our daughters were about 9 and 11, and she lived a long and and a wonderful life. Uh, She's the kind of yellow lab that had that square head. She was English yellow lab, so she had that, looked like a little bear, but she was white, yellow, uh, whitish, fading into yellow on her ears. Had a smile when she ran. I could swear she was smiling at uh, just, just glorying in running at full tilt uh, when she was able to do that. She was also the first dog of Alaska. Um, <laughs> she got to live in the governor's house. She got to greet guests and um, eat a lot of baked goods. But, you know, Annie, <laughs> seriously, she, she ate everything she'd get her little paws on off the counters or cookies in little children's hands as they were inside the house, too, as they were visiting. She always planned it so that Maxine, who did the baking in the house, would always have to make a few more dozen or a few more loaves. Uh, That was something that uh, we had to guard against. But, you know, one thing that Annie liked besides baked goods were bones. Annie loved rawhide bones, those uh, kind of whitish yellow ones that you buy in the large packs at Costco. And she would... um, We'd give her a bone, she'd run off with it all happy and, you know, lay down somewhere in the house and start chewing it. And she would chew it and chew it and chew it until she got that end a little bit soggy, you know, and and then something would distract her and, you know, she'd go outside and the bone would be on the floor somewhere. And then she would come back to it and chew it some more and then she'd hide it. And we thought, okay, the bone's gone, so she's, you know, she's done chewing it it's time for another bone. So we give her another bone, and she'd chew it, soften it up a little bit. Three or four days later, it would disappear, but she kept coming back to it. Well, in the governor's house, the main floor of the house is really public territory, and so events are held there uh, for the public, and so the furniture gets moved around quite a bit. And invariably, when you'd move the furniture around, you'd find bones, um, Annie's bones that she had left there thinking she was going to come back to them. And actually she did, but Annie's chewing on bones just made me think about me and us when we worry. We gnaw on that. We are anxious about something, whether it's our finances, whether it's a loss we're about to suffer or our suffering. We're anxious and we chew on it. You know, a friend of mine told me this week that Worry and anxiety is really just an unhealthy form of meditation. Think about it. It's really an unhealthy form of meditation. And worry and anxiety surfaces the idol of self in our lives. Our worry and anxiety demonstrates, especially as we gnaw on it, chew on it, care for it over time, it really demonstrates our lack of faith in God. I'm guilty. <laughs> when I was 38 years old, I had a doctor tell me that he thought I had bladder cancer. And I, it took me five days of 
testing and all before I realized I didn't. But I know that kind of feeling in your gut that you're going to lose something pretty precious to you. And I also realized, you know, I need to trust God in this and not myself. And we'll talk some more about that. But I know, I know that feeling of anxiety. To this, the Lord Christ says to us in Matthew 6, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Which of us can add a single hour by our worrying? And yet we do. Well, as we near the finish of our study in the book of Philippians, Paul writes more of God's instruction regarding anxiety. And let's look at these verses. The verses, really, that we're going to focus on, it's really, the Lord is at hand. That's, part, that's the end of verse 5 there. We're going, to, we're going to read from that section. Philippians 4, 5b through 7. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is one of those moments where, as I was preparing for this message, God began a new work in my life using these verses. And I would just want to share a few things that I began to be showed, that he showed me more than I knew before. You know, I learned this verse when I was a kid, these verses when I was a kid. And it was in the King James Version, and it was, be anxious for nothing, right? That's, <laughs> that, was the way, that was the way many of us learned it many years ago, be anxious for nothing. So it sounded like a commandment. It sounded like I was supposed to, in some way, figure out, conjure up enough positive thoughts that I wasn't going to be anxious for anything. It sounded more like a commandment. But if you look at 5b, it really became more, these are words of comfort. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. It's not about me having to work up enough energy or enough positive thoughts about things are going to turn out okay. The fact is, I'm okay because he's near. The fact is, you're okay because he's near. The Lord is near, so do not be anxious about anything. That part about do not be anxious is really about not being consumed by our cares. What should we be anxious about from this verse? What, what should we be anxious about? Nothing. Yeah, how many of you are rolling your eyes? Right. <laughs> I, I don't know that feeling. How hard is that to be anxious for nothing? Very, right? You think Paul would tell us this if it wasn't possible? You think God would want us to hear this through the letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi if this was not something we could live with and embrace now as followers of Jesus Christ? I dare say this is Paul's mindset. Remember, he's writing from prison. He is writing not knowing whether he's going to live or die coming out of this prison, likely in Rome. Might have been in Caesarea, but we think it was Rome. He'd been beaten, dragged out of town square and into jail. He'd been stoned. I mean, this is a guy who has known suffering, has known uncertainty, and yet he's telling the church at Philippi, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything. So we replace anxiety with Christ's presence. 
The Lord is near. We replace anxiety with Christ's presence. It seems so otherworldly, doesn't it? I mean, so think about it. The big idea here really is the Lord Christ says, in me, you will never be anxious again. Think on that for just a minute. In me, you will never be anxious again. I have to admit, I'm not at that place yet. I can tell you I've grown in that, in trusting him through every circumstance, but I am not in this place where I could stand up here and truthfully tell you that I am never anxious. Just not there. So let's be real here. But I do want to tell you about a person I know who is farther along this journey in her life in Christ, and I'll call her Margaret. Margaret was diagnosed with cancer, and she um, went through treatments. We prayed over her. We laid hands on her, asking for her healing. She, um, after some time, even though the doctors had said that this was likely life-threatening to her, likely going to end her days on earth, she's cancer-free today. And I wanted to just, anybody who's been through that and anybody who has been through something in life that we can learn from, I want to ask them, how did you get through that? What did you do? And specifically, I asked her, I asked Margaret, I said, how did you deal with fear in this? Because I remembered that gut wrench, that twisted gut in my feeling, you know, 20 some years ago. And there was this like stunned look on her face. And she said, you know, I never thought about it. Fear and worry were so foreign to me. It was all about me just being with Christ through it. And I, that was so beautiful and so foreign to the way we think today. But that is only from heaven. That is only from God himself. So Margaret lives so deeply in the kingdom of Christ that she knows his peace thoroughly, closely, and though it surpasses human understanding, his peace to her, I know her pretty well, her peace to her is real, and her proximity and closeness to Christ is authentic. And in that relationship, she knew perfect peace through her cancer diagnosis and treatment. Now, that's not to say that everything turns out the way we want it to, but it means that he is always with us. And as we'll learn a little bit later here, His peace is with us. In John 14, Jesus promises that he will not leave his followers as orphans and that he gives us, as followers of Christ, a promised helper, the Holy Spirit. He speaks in John 14, 20 about this oneness with God, with the Holy Spirit within us. He he says it this way, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. For followers of Christ, there is this oneness of relationship with our God. It's this oneness that Margaret experienced through her illness. It's this oneness that fear, worry, and anxiety cannot stand in this relationship that we have with our triune God. In understanding and surrendering fully to God indwelling me by his Holy Spirit, we replace anxiety by abiding closely in God's very presence. Fear and God do not coexist. Fear bows and goes away in God's presence. 
So moving on with verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Notice he says, but in everything by prayer and supplication. He doesn't say, now that you're in trouble, pray. I noticed he says, but in everything. It implies we have an ongoing relationship, a prayer relationship with the Lord. If our lives are full of anxiety, we may have shortchanged our prayer life. And that would be a symptom of something else in our life, of, of a lack of closeness, a lack of abiding with Christ. If we are near him, we are speaking with him. We're hearing from him, and we're leaning into that relationship with him. This living deep in God's kingdom, of living deep in relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's about our daily life. It's about everything in life, not just the hard times, but the good times and the in-between times. That word supplication, but in everything by prayer and supplication, that's humility. That's giving up our rights and our will and saying, I surrender to you, Lord God. This request I'm making, I'm making it because you are God and I'm not. I'm surrendering everything I am to you and making this request to you. And this also is in everything. This is not just when we're in, in the foxhole in trouble. This is in everything. Lastly, notice the thanksgiving in our requests, and we, we sang this too. We're so thankful that we have a God who is bigger than our circumstances. Thankful for his redemption. Thank you for his son Jesus in our lives. Thank you for what he's done on the cross. Surrendering all to Christ with a thankful heart, we replace our worry with his presence, making our requests known to him. Next, let's look at Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's not talking here of a peace that we conjure up. No matter how many hours of mindful meditation we engage in, we cannot alone create any lasting peace for ourselves. He's talking about Jesus Christ being our peace. The peace of Christ is part of his very nature. Christ died and rose again that we might have peace with God. Jesus' very presence by the Holy Spirit brings us peace. He told his disciples in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. John 16, 33, Jesus said again, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation. He didn't say that, did he? He said you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Only Jesus Christ overcomes anxiety. Only his presence casts out all fear. The Lord is near at hand, and he is more than enough. So what do we do with this? Replace anxiety with God's presence. We're going to learn later this summer some more about practicing that presence of Christ in our lives. We surrender our will each day. We worship. We fellowship. We study the scriptures. We pray. We serve. We practice the presence of Christ in those activities and in those heart and mindsets. We replace anxiety with God's word. We meditate on John 14, 27, John 16, 33, Philippians 4, 5 to 7. Remember how when Jesus was led into the wilderness, what did he address temptation with? How did he respond to Satan's temptation? With the word of God, with scripture. 
our temptation to worry, our temptation to be anxious, we meet with the Word of God. So replace anxiety with God's Word. When you're tempted to linger in worry, declare the peace of Christ on it, on you, on yourself, and in you, as he promised in John 14, 27. If his peace is not within you, if you do not have that experience of his peace, ask a faithful brother or sister in this congregation, pray over you declaring Christ's peace, and receive his peace. God's peace replaces anxiety. The Lord is near to you. Do not be anxious about anything. I think these were, this was my aha moment this week when I realized, no, it's not about me saying, do not be anxious about anything. No, it's about him being near. It's about me being in that relationship, that proximity to him by the Holy Spirit in me, that I have his peace through difficult circumstances. So if you're in the grip of anxiety now, or if, like Annie, you like to come back and chew on a certain anxious thought, I'm serious. What you'll notice if you think about your life, and I noticed it from my own, if there's a particular worry that you have, financial, for, for instance, you'll tend to worry the same way over the same topic over time in your life. And you've trained yourself, and you've been tempted to do this for 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. And the Lord wants to be our peace in that and change our thinking and replace that anxiety with his presence. So that's it. Replace worry with his presence. Would you all stand for just and receive a blessing from Numbers 6, 24 to 26? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. If you are consumed or if you have a desire to pray with somebody here after the service about worry, anxiety, if you have any needs that you, you think need to be met by the Lord right now, would you just, after the service, come forward? There will be members of the Northgate Prayer Team here to, to meet with you to do that. And go out and have a great week loving and serving our Lord. Amen.